0: Hi, I'm Beetle, And I'm Lo. And this is Queer Fandom. This podcast is not safe for work, not safe for kids, and not safe for the overly sensitive aunties. Boo! One, two, three, put your, get up on the mic and talk. Test,
1: one, two, three, Rita Skeeter is the most polarizing character in Harry Potter. (laughs) That's what I've learned. (laughs) Have
0: we started? Is that? Yeah, I would like you to stop putting off starting the show. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: one thing I've been reminded of in, um some of the research I've been doing the last day or so looking at like old fandom stuff people's blogs about fandom or like old like literally l- old live journals I've been down this hole um that people used to be so eloquent <laughs> I commented on something and I really needed to before I hit comment I read back through and was like god this sounds like a twitter post it sounds so conversational I had to go back and use my um my, like, college literature, like, English degree brain to write a coherent and, like, appropriately...
0: Yeah, well, it used to... Go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. No, I think I got my point Um, across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it used to be on the internet, it used to be a status symbol to have good writing skills, um, proper spelling, good grammar, and, like, unique and, and colorful language, I guess. Like, it was used to be a thing that's that's not the thing anymore like Mm -hmm. now um there's like a there's like a degeneration to typing and to like internet culture language and all of that and I I don't immediately assume someone's stupid if they don't put an apostrophe in the word I'm or they don't capitalize like I don't I have autocap off now on my phone And um, I don't usually use autocorrect, so I send some brutal text messages to my friends (laughs) that just don't mean shit. Um, That would be unacceptable if you
1: were in a live journal community regularly commenting on people's stuff. That'd be unacceptable, mm -hmm. but we've come to accept (laughs) that over time. Yeah, I I noticed that I use a lot of really basic... um, verbs and nouns and then modify them with the words really or very (laughs) i'm I'm doing it now i'm doing it now as i speak but i've been trying to do some things for myself um i have a little like dictionary.com app on my phone has like a word of the day and then there's like a little a mini game that will appear um, on my phone on one of the home screens that's like it gives a word and then it's like guess the meaning between three different options and I've been
0: kind of doing that every day most of the people that I like currently look up to in my life um, professors or characters or whatever it is use good language the it, good is not a good word either nope. you know
1: it, it, it's and it's diverse language
0: my my philosophy professor speaks so slowly because he's selecting each word and considering it before he speaks and Damn. it's so incredible to listen to and I don't mind that he speaks slowly it doesn't bother me because I'm like what's the word gonna be you know It's an engaging way to speak to people. Welcome to the fifth episode of
1: Queer Fandom. Uh, I'm Lo. I'm Beatle. And in this episode, we're discussing AU's tropes and the much maligned cliche. This is mostly in
0: regards to fanfiction, but it will relate to other aspects of fandom as well. We reached out uh, on Twitter and some of you guys gave us uh, ideas of of things to talk about today. I'm really looking forward to it. I also want to thank Kaylee for being our guest last week. She did an incredible job. I think the episode came out really well. Uh, she was afraid that she was going to sound stupid. And I actually think she she brought some incredible material to to the podcast. Uh, and next week we're going to be recording with another friend of ours, um, another guest, and we're going to be talking about uh, cosplay and queerness next week. Uh, so we're really kind of excited with the direction the show has been, been going. And, and thank you to you. To those that have been listening and to those that have been uh, sending their ideas in. All right, let's uh, let's jump in.
1: All right, B. So, how would you describe an AU, and what does AU stand for?
0: Okay, so AU. I'm going to answer the second part first. AU stands for alternate universe or alternative universe. Um, it's typically fan fiction that takes the characters into another universe another situation um there's like a couple classic ones that people always do so like there would be like a coffee shop au or instead of the characters like maybe not always but maybe the the canon environment is uh dangerous or the characters don't come out alive or whatever you'll see people put a character into an au and it'll be like a coffee shop and like one of them's a barista and someone's like a fucking writer and he like sits in the corner and writes every day and they make like steamy eye contact over their steamy bruise <laughs> so that's exactly. an au exactly um i think
1: you hit on such a great point where it it tends to be very popular especially in fandoms that um you're unlikely to get happy endings from those characters I i think mostly about when i Watched Attack on Titan and was so excited by Attack on Titan and the world it created. And then I went to go read the fan fiction and it was all AUs. And I was so disappointed. I mean, I love me and AU. I love me and AU. And I'm
0: going to keep talking about this throughout the episode. <laughs> so for me, the only time I would even uh, consider an AU is in a universe where like one of the characters or both of the characters dies. Or it's just a very unforgiving uh, universe. Like, for example, um, Attack on Titan. There's just very little space inside of that world for relationships really to develop. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, I see the interest in placing them in in an AU, but I don't really like AUs, and I also don't really have fandoms where the character where it's um like. A happy environment. Like I like the drama and the friction and the and the sad ending. I like that, and so I don't get that much satisfaction out of AUs. I I really really don't. I get that. Um, a lot of times I prefer
1: an AU that is somewhere in line with the actual universe itself. Um, I love a canon divergent fic, okay, which sort was. of becomes AU, or which would say something like earlier on in the plot or at a major plot point. Um, A decision was made differently, and now things are are shifted. Um, But I also will enjoy like a Star Wars fic that also takes place in space. I was
0: also thinking Star Wars because one of my (laughs) favorite like canon divergent examples is uh, when Kylo Ren is sent off to study with Snoke or whatever um, at the end of the uh, episode seven canon divergent uh, fic universe where he turns around you know he he runs away from that situation and so everything has been canon up until that point but then after that uh, Kylo rejects going to you know study with Snoke or train with Snoke and instead goes to wherever Hux is currently banished to and then they live on the run together and that's like oh my fuck I love it because for me like I still get all of the drama and the like threat of death around every corner and and all this like for me that's a lot of the energy that goes into why two characters would collide in such like a passionate heated way is all of this like drama around them so that that's my canon divergent is probably my favorite genre of fan fiction um because it just pushes the boundary of the canon enough that I can give my ship's room to live but I'm still maintaining a lot of the drama that brought me there in the first place
1: yeah that makes sense it's the Canada Divergent fic usually has to be long in order to be, um, I would say, detailed enough to relate to the old story, but also bring the new story in. So it, it's kind of the combination of a what if and, let's say, a new installment of the series. This reminds me a lot of Harry Potter. And when I used to be reading Harry Potter fan fiction, um, I think it was before book five um, or maybe before book four. I probably got into it at both times, but in both of those spaces, people, I remember so distinctly people writing, you know, their book four, their book five for Harry Potter. And it's like it's it's in sequence with the canon. This could theoretically be the canon who knows at this point because there's nothing else um, coming after it. But you have to make those decisions of like. Well, you could change something in the book before, um, or you could change something that you know is definitely not going to happen. Like, you know, those two characters aren't going to fall for each other, but like, eh, that's your prerogative. So the whole plot has to revolve around that.
0: Yeah, I, when I was really into Kylox, I started and never finished um, a a canon divergent fic. And I, my thing was like, I was only going to be, I was only going to be interested in finishing it if if I was going to guarantee finish it before the next film came out. Because I wanted to explore the story of what happened after the, you know, episode seven. I didn't want episode eight to come in and and tell me it wasn't as gay as I thought it was. Because you knew exactly (laughs) that what that's what episode eight was going to do. It's just not. And it would of course, of course, that's how it goes. That's just how it goes. You you find something queer and it's going to turn into something straight. It's just how movies work. (laughs) I I commend like the Harry Potter books took a little bit longer in between installments mm-hmm. uh, but i really commend people who write an entire novel because i mean in harry potter fan fiction you get novels which is so rare nowadays you've got to find the right fandom to do something like what, that what's another fandom that gets really really long thick i think they're usually like book
1: fandoms like that I, I feel like the places in my life where i've seen those the most have been book fandoms or something that's long established like star wars Perhaps, Well, episode eight did kind of uh, not give us what we wanted for Kylux or Storm Pilot. So that's what I'm saying. If you can get a thick out before episode nine, I can't. <laughs> then you can rewrite those things without uh, without the movie coming down on you. And in the end, when it doesn't quite give you what you want, well, you wrote out what you wanted. You know what? Other just... people have read it, and you've spread out the message you want in the world. So fuck what the movies do.
0: I'm just not as inspired by, by the 8th <laughs> movie, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think AUs are, have a ton of value. And I know a lot of people really, really, really love AUs. Just the fact that I'm not super into them uh, doesn't like, devalue them in any, any sort of way. I totally think it's valid that you want to take your characters out of a difficult situation and see them thrive and experience a different kind of life. I respect that. Yeah, I mean so long as the
1: chemistry and what makes that character that character remains then I I think an AU can be fun. Um I I grew up where my mom loved romantic comedies. So I've seen like every romantic comedy from probably like the 90s and early 2000s. Um so I love like a good cheesy love story. Um and if you can write it well, I'm super happy. I think the first fandom where I read AUs that weren't high school was Supernatural. Um, That was the first place where I encountered ABO. That was the first place where I really encountered, like, a library and, and, like, mechanic AU. and High high school AU. (laughs) I'm not as into high school AUs anymore. No, but it's super prevalent
0: in the Supernatural fandom. I mean, it's one of the most
1: popular... AUs, like, throughout Just time. In general. Throughout time, yeah. I remember those being around when I was starting to read fanfiction in the way that, like, I don't feel like I always saw the coffee shop AU or the librarian AU. Not that those things aren't well-established and set in stone and very popular and beloved, um, but definitely the high school AU is one of those early ones. Um, I would say high school AU and, like, um, a historical, like, regency AU are some of those... Once that have been around since just the beginning
0: of fan fiction. I could never imagine writing that.
1: I'm not really interested in, in like Regency stuff, so that's just not quite for me. Um, as a lit major, I was not into. Jane Austen or the brontes or any of that stuff. so that's not quite my cup of tea, but I bet if I read one that was really well written for a fandom I really liked um and it was well characterized, I'd probably be down.
0: I mean, when you describe it like that, I feel like I would like aUs <laughs> too, but like that's just not what I experience a lot of a lot of the time. I mean, I have a complicated relationship with reading fan fiction anyway, which is something I'm sure I'll talk about a lot on this show over time. Um, that stuff can take me out of the fic really easily, and I just can't finish it. I find myself skimming a lot of stuff. Well, an
1: AU really needs to sell you on their universe, and that can really make or break a story. Um, you want to strengthen the universe you're in without detracting too much from your characters. Um, so if you spend a whole chapter world building, it's not going to go over so well. People might not read it; they'll get bored. I know I would get bored if you spend too long trying to build the world. Like. Tell me where we're at. Tell me the people and how they are, who they are in the context of this universe. And I'm I'm pretty happy. Like, I'm pretty set to go. I read a fic I was pretty excited about keeping up with the updates in in Final Fantasy fifteen. And there was so much world building in this sort of canon divergent fic that I there were giant chunks of the story I was skipping and like beautiful writing. But it's a lot of world building. It's a lot of world building. And I think what's cool about things like um, a coffee shop AU and a librarian AU and um, ABO is that we as a fandom understand what those things are. You don't need to spend a lot of time setting those up. They're almost like a fandom in themselves. If you um, went in AO3 and clicked on or searched the coffee shop AU, You could just read a coffee shop AU in any fandom, and you know the gist. Like, you know what's going on. Kind of what's important is how the author sells you on those characters um, and and uh, the story that goes with it like it's not really about the coffee shop or the library <laughs> or like mating rituals yeah, I well, mean well, well mating no, see, rituals see, see, see. <laughs>
0: I was going see, I was waiting for my opportunity to come in and say that's why I like ABO is because I can go into any fandom, any universe and know what I'm going to get um, but there's a significant difference between ABO and coffee shop Okay, <laughs>
1: I know but ABO is something entirely different. And I think what's rad about ABO, and I would love to talk about this in its own episode because I think ABO is fascinating, but every ABO fic is different, but you kind of know what you're getting. So there's a little bit of world building that goes into it, but I think it's more interesting to show it rather than tell it. You can get lost in the weeds of like an ABO fic that's trying to set up a universe in which, oh, people are classified this way or this way or that way. And it means this and this and this. It's like, I'd rather see it in the fic. Unless, of course, you are just writing that one shot like like straight explicit nc-17 and that's that's fine because i know i'm not there for the involved story and you don't need to like y- you can you can just tell me in like two paragraphs in the beginning that's right. totally fine i mean
0: i i've i've told this story to you and and friends on multiple occasions but there was an abo fic i don't really want to name the fandom because i don't want yeah no reason but to. um there was an abo fic that i read that i was like really excited about the potential of it and I read the first chapter and it was like I don't know 12 chapters long and ongoing and I read the first chapter and I was really into it and then I read the second chapter and then I skimmed to the third chapter and then I used control F in the fourth chapter and like was just looking for the word kiss or cock or anything, like anything, <laughs> like anything, like control F slick, like anything. And I couldn't just, I was like, when is this going to become the, like the, the fic I'm, I'm waiting for? And it was like all of this dating and dating and dating and little dates and like going to get milkshakes and like walking around holding hands and like constantly referring to the fact that there's there an alpha and an omega but not like getting to what I'm you know getting what I'm looking for and eventually I got to like chapter eight of this fic. I was like furious at this point I was like I was just like clicking 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 it's like I gotta find the smut I, it's it's told they told me there was gonna be smut I gotta like, get there please I'm in the desert and I'm so thirsty <laughs> <laughs> and um chapter eight was like the omega and the alpha got on a computer together and like worked on a contract together and, like, shopped for sex toys and both agreed in a conscious state of mind which toys would be used, how and where and when. And it was just, like, Literally, the fic was these two characters writing a contract about how to engage in consensual ABO sex. That's not why I'm here! (laughs) That's not why I'm here! Like, part of the delight for me of ABO fic is that it's an AU from my real universe, and I know no one's actually getting hurt in the writing of these kind of raunchy, animalistic fic. Like, when you come in here and you start telling me, you start world-building this, like, um society and the legal system around it where like alphas and omegas have to write a contract and get it like notarized by like a notary like I was like I'm gonna kill myself if they don't fuck soon like this little bitch needs to go into heat or I don't know why I'm
1: here you know and it was I mean that's a great gateway for someone who's like I don't ABO is too gross for me like that's a great gateway um which I, I imagine for? this was this
0: was a younger person's very first like foray into ABO, and this was what they wrote.
1: Yeah, they were like, I like the concept here, but I need more build up.
0: I need more um, safety do. nets. Yeah, it's too scary the way that it the way that it's currently presented, and it Some is scary. It's do. gross and nasty. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like non-con in the ABO universe. You mm-hmm. know, um, there's a lot of the uh, um, fucker die in the ABO universe. And love, so it is. It's a kind of dark trope,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, this person came in there very much and was like, "Let's make it, let's make it tidy, let's mm-hmm. make it safe and <laughs> and correct." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, that's not what I'm here in fic for." And I felt very cheated by that fic just because I was told it was ABO. But you know what? It was their version. It was their vision, and they sure wrote a hell of it, a hell of a lot of it. So they must have be, been enjoying what they were writing, and I'm sure there were people who were enjoying it, but. Just wasn't what I was looking for.
1: Well, you and I come from a place where um, "fuck or die" uh, was a common trope outside of Bef- ABO. Before yes. ABO, sex. The I, I would put these these three. I think are usually lumped together. Uh, sex, pollen, fuck or die, or aliens made them do it. Which you can <laughs> you can transfer aliens with something else, but aliens made them do it is usually the way it's put, and it's um uh, as all things are probably a reference to Star Trek.
0: everything comes back to Star Trek in the um, shipping world always, which is great I love that
1: there's such a rich, rich history in shipping. I love learning things about Star Trek because I've watched some Star Trek, not a lot um, but I love that there's such a rich and deep and involved history in fandom that's rooted in Star Trek that I am I will never be able to fully understand but like everything's come from Star Trek um so I want to mention to you actually um that the mating period and the mating cycle is actually a thing in Star Trek yeah it, because there's it's an al- he's an alien yes it is um in Vulcans it is called punfar. And for I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but for Vulcans, it's a mating cycle they go through once every seven years in which they desperately need to find a mate or return to their home planet. Um, so, so this it's, is it's some, mate or
0: it's return mate to or die. Yeah, planet.
1: yeah. But there are grave consequences if you don't do one of those two things. Um, so that was a really common um, plot device in Star Trek fanfiction back when it was like zines that like people would mail to each other's houses. There were um, a lot of fics about Ponfar. Far. And that's something that still lives to till today through sex and through Fuck or Die, through Aliens Made Them Do It. Aliens Made Them Do It always makes me think of uh, Stargate. Uh, Stargate SG-1 because <laughs> I remember a lot of good Aliens Made Them Do It fics, And that's where <laughs> I found that kink and I loved it. <laughs> Um, and now we have
0: mating cycles and ABO. I especially love it when, it's, when it is done in the canon universe. I always think it's so interesting. Um, like, I'm a big fan of it in 15, yes. you know? I, I love the idea that they would all be stuck in this car together on a road trip and just have to deal with this shit. And a lot of times the plot device in a ABO fic in the Final Fantasy 15 fandom is that, you know, they end up lost and kind of cut off from the rest of the world and they run out of, like, suppressants. You know, and that's always the issue. is like, everybody's going into heat. The way ABO puts people in, in uh, bad situations <laughs> like that. I just love the whole the whole fucker die trope in general. Yeah, me too.
1: Um, and that was at Geekbound Val on Twitter who recommended that to us, which is I love that she mentioned it because Val that was something I was thinking about talking about It's was like, oh, we need to talk about Fuck or Die we have to talk about Fuck or Die. So I'm glad someone else is here to back that up and say, you need
0: to talk about Fuck or Die It's a very important picture. I mean, I'm so glad Okay, so, um, where do you want to pick up?
1: It's time to talk about tropes. Let's talk about tropes <laughs> so tropes at certain points um, can interact with AUs or can sort of become AUs. It, it depends on the scenario. Um, one of the ones that we... Can you define the word trope? So a trope is a tool or a story device in a story that is done a lot something very commonplace
0: um something you might think is sort of tacky um but also but also in just literature Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's in all stories it's a storytelling device that is commonly used Mm -hmm. so it's maybe kind of cheesy or tacky
1: because
0: it's it's overused is that is that the thing and I wouldn't call it overused in fan fiction. The fan fiction realm it kind of instead registers as genres in the fan fiction realm. Yes. So it's it's so in in regular literature a trope would be like something you would try to avoid because everybody does it. But in fan fiction it's more like a guideline to some of the types of material you can pr- produce as a fan writer. For sure, and
1: you can put let's say on Ao3 like you can put in your tag that something is um. It's a trope we have here. Um, Rivalry or um, uh, fake dating, which is a favorite of mine or jealousy or they're marooned together
0: or they must be rescued like. I wouldn't say in in the fan the world of fanfiction you can't say that any of those things are quote unquote overdone because no. there can never be enough fanfiction yeah. and there's no no ceiling to fanfiction because it's all a derivative of an original piece, um, or original source I guess. Uh, so that's interesting that there's kind of a different definition for the for the word trope. Do you want to just like list some of the the common tropes some of the ones that you have written down or or people have sent us
1: yeah and and to go back on your point about tropes is i I think they are used a little bit more as a genre than they are as something necessarily to avoid when they're overdone or not done well that's when they become a cliche but any sort of uh skillful skillful storyteller can take a trope and turn it into something that is delightful to read um abelina underscore v on twitter mentioned rivalry and forbidden love um which i think are very fun that's kind of your draco and harry or mm-hmm. your cloud and sephiroth or hmm, who are some other sort of uh uh reen and haru yeah rivals that's, that's a great one from free that's a fantastic one um just any sort of characters that see each other as, as competition and are constantly trying to rise above the other. It usually makes for something really spicy and really
0: exciting. <laughs> I, I love that tension, you know? I just love mm-hmm. that tension.
1: Yeah, it's, it's always been something I've sort of gravitated toward, uh, even in the very beginning of writing fic. I, lo- I love characters that have some sort of friction between them. Sometimes rivalry is, like, very strong, and sometimes it's kind of mild. You know, sometimes it's characters that are on the same team. Like, if you look at, like, a sports anime, a team sport anime, it right. can really be two characters that are just like, I want to be better than you, I want to feel better than you. Or if you're looking at something more extreme, like, they could be
0: almost enemies, if not just straight-up enemies. Yeah, like, um, Beanha has a ton of that. <laughs> um, Please explain. Boko no Hero. Um, Beanha, B-N-H-A. Uh, most of my friends know what I'm saying when I say being <laughs> Uh Being is full of full of rivalries. Mm-hmm. And in so, some of them are they are their students in the same class or um, they're professionals in the same profession. But there's there's still so there's different levels of rivalry in, in that, too. Um, and I see why that draws a lot of people, because mm-hmm. there's a lot that you can do with that. And there's a lot that's really exciting about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you've got a romance between two people that feel like they constantly need to be better than each other, that's really spicy because that character is not going to want to admit that.
0: And it's that thing where, like, they're obsessing over them regardless. They're Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm not into him. I just think about him constantly, and I'm constantly thinking about him when I'm, like, working out, and I think about him when (laughs) I'm going to sleep at night. But I'm not into him. I'm just obsessed with him. It's different, I swear. (laughs)
1: I'm drawing a lot of uh, mental lines between... Bakugo from Boku no Hero and uh, Draco from Harry Potter, but that's coming as someone who's not really into <laughs> Boku
0: no Hero. I mean, I can see it. It'll probably offend someone. But, someone somewhere is very upset. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, lo- <laughs> I love an I love an explosive care an explosive rival. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. Ooh, but Draco was explosive too. But Yeah, big whiny babies. God, mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah, they're good. That's an interesting trope. I find a lot of um, exciting things in the rivalry category.
1: Yeah, and then we have something like Forbidden Love, which can fall in that category, but can also be very different. Like, if you want to look at characters who are um, as rivals, it would be not good for, like, A, if they're rivals, it would be very vulnerable of them to admit that they were into the other person, but, like, B, you have this other scenario where maybe these characters are too close to each other. Um, so I want to think about our Final Fantasy fifteen ship for a moment. Noctis and Gladio. Gladio is Noctis's bodyguard. Noctis is his prince. Like that's an inappropriate relationship, right? One that they probably wouldn't want to tell families about, or friends about, or even each
0: other, right?
1: -hmm. Both rivalries and Forbidden Love are very like Romeo and Juliet. Like, if you put those two sort of things together, you can form that story of like, oh, we're not supposed to, but our families are mad at each other, but like we have this crazy
0: connection anyway. I mean, Forbidden Love, that's like why I go to fan fiction. And I feel like you and I had this conversation recently. I can't remember if we did it on the show, but. Um, You know, I always say that like I need a little bit of a little bit of taboo in my fic, or it doesn't get me going. Uh, And that can be like taboo kink wise, like I maybe read something really gross, or it can just be the taboo is that we can't tell our friends, we can't tell our family. This has to be a clandestine relationship. Uh, I find that really super appealing in general. When I first started reading fan fiction, more fan fiction, most fan fiction was forbidden love fan fiction, but that was also you know, 10 years ago, and it still wasn't as acceptable to be, to be anything other than straight. And that reflected a lot in the fan fiction. When I first started interacting with fan fiction, um, and maybe it was the age of the people that I was interacting with, but it was all very much like the conflict in the story was the fact that they were gay. Mm-hmm. That's not conflict anymore. No. Not really. Yes, in some parts of the world and in, in, um, in some particular you know contexts and family situations but very rarely is the conflict in fan fiction now that the, that the character is gay most of the times in fanfic now um either the character's always been gay and it wasn't an issue or they come out and it's not that big of an issue it might be a little bit stressful but usually the other characters in the fic are supportive and back when i first started reading fan fiction that was the drama in the fic <laughs> because that's not dramatic anymore in my world uh i have to go find my my drama in different tropes
1: yeah i you make a great point um and it's not like you said it's not that there are not that everyone is free to come out whenever they want to their families like that struggle still exists but within fan fiction i think the narrative has become less of a place to vent your feelings and more of i'm gonna tell the hero story that feels relevant to me and for someone who's feeling alone and repressed being lgbt plus like telling a story about a character that is maybe the same or something similar to what they are and is going through their story and finding their romance and finding their adventure is more exciting and uplifting and I think we've gone through we've gone through a shift where that's the story that we're more likely to tell um I feel like I see a lot less um violent homophobic
0: dads in fan fiction than I used to exactly I mean I do think there's been a, a shift in in fan fiction in general, and uh, to that to that note, what I thought was kind of interesting that you were saying was like they want to tell a hero's journey, and it, it's just an L- LGBT plus hero, and they go on this journey and they find their love and they have their own adventure, which is very much like the heteronormative story, um, but finally we're getting it in in the queer light, right? God, if you wrote like a
1: like a one campaign um, like Final Fantasy Fifteen, like That's been Eos. the plan for like a long God. time. Is We've I was just talked about this, I think, as a group.
0: I was gonna write a campaign. I was gonna write like a one adventure um arc for you guys that was exploring like um Eos, many, many, many years in the future, where people like Noctis is, is like a legend, like a there, you know, it's so mm-hmm. far, it would be like 2,000 years in the future. Yeah. Like, Noctis is just this like quiet legend that occasionally is whispered amongst the people, and all the Astrals have been like long, long, long asleep. And I had this plan that you guys would like go at, and your characters would, ex- would explore Eos, and you'd have to like wake the Astrals, and you would encounter NPCs along the way that were like like, long, like, mm. descendants of, of people that we knew in 15. And I still probably do this, God. and, like, now that I'm, like, spoiling it to all of our friends, but <laughs> you guys won't play the... You won't play... You'll play your your PCs. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But you'll just happen to get to explore ES. And... Okay, we're at 51 minutes. Okay. And we also... We have D&D tonight. What else do you want to hit? What other topics do you want to touch on here? Um... What do you have Same left? To talk
1: about. Fandom AUs, which kind of relates into what you're saying, is an interesting topic.
0: What's a fandom AU? It's like two characters in,
1: in their canon universe mm-hmm. are into another thing. And they like meet anonymously online. It it's the same as you know, like you're anonymous on, like, chat, or it's any of those. But it's it's fandom, which Hard I think is. Kidding. Yeah, which I think is like super super cute. Like I started watching BBC Sherlock because I read a Glee fic about Kurt and Karofsky where they um were both uh writers of John Locke fanfiction. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I should
0: check this show out. <laughs> huh. I didn't know what that
1: was. I don't know. Maybe we won't talk about it.
0: No, I like, I like what you said. We'll just leave it in. Um, what else do you have on the list? Make, Makeup sex? Makeup sex, yeah. Um, our guest last week, Kaylee, at Moogle Festival on Twitter, mentioned makeup sex. Thank you, Kaylee. What do you have to say about makeup sex? Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily love
1: a fic where my, my favorite characters are arguing unless, of course, you've delivered me a long story with, like, reasoning for the arguing. And if you have, that makeup sex is so spicy. (laughs) Like, that's the good stuff. Yeah. Is when you've got that good build-up. So you've seen your characters, you've gotten them together, you see them at their best and you see them at their worst, and then they come together to, like, bang, and
0: it is delicious. Yeah, I I, I see the... see why that's tasty. I like, um... Like, hate sex. Ooh, yes. You know, like, I like the sex during the fight. That's mm-hmm. what I like. Um, which also reminds me of um, Hurt Comfort fic. Oh, Hurt Comfort. Which is kind of different, because a lot of time we're, like, leaning <laughs> the direction of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um... But, like, when I was really into Harry Potter fan fiction, I would say that there's a lot of dreary fic that is hurt slash comfort. Like, they yeah. hurt each other, and then they re- help each other recover, and then they hurt each other, and then they are, like, tender <laughs> again for a couple weeks. And it's just, like, back and forth and back and forth. And uh, I loved that sort of hurt comfort. Loved it. That had both the, like, angsty, um, rough sex, and then the, like, tender, like love professing sort of sex Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah especially if it's like if they can separate that out into like a couple different sessions where they're having like repeat hate sex until it slowly turns tender Ooh, mm, chef's kiss to the sky that is so nice that's a good story right there
0: what else is on the list (laughs) let's get through these (laughs)
1: Um, so at pony underscore farts on Twitter said found family. I'm a sucker for found family in um, the media I consume and in fan fiction.
0: Well, we have a found family, so that's a part of it. We and do. I think a lot of queer people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people we spend holidays with are friends. You're we right. don't really spend holidays with our blood relatives. We we hang out with other queer. Uh, fanish people on our holidays. We have a found family that we've we've created. Shout out to the pod. Yeah, you're right. This it's a, I
1: mean, not exclusive to LGBT people, but I I think it's very. Common, common amongst them and it makes sense that you would like and consume media that includes those things or if you're enjoying a media that doesn't quite have that real family knit aspect that when you write fan fiction you're going to put it in there you're going to make those characters closer than they were in the media that you're consuming and writing about um yeah we did new year's with our friends last year we're trying to do one of the major winter holidays together this year like and that's so uplifting and we inspiring we did Thanksgiving with friends we did do Thanksgiving with some friends. Um, and to find that in your fandoms is really, I think, uplifting, and it gives you a sense of support. So even if you're not experiencing that, so- that yourself and you're still in a situation where you're with your family that doesn't know or doesn't accept, like you can go to that place where, oh, well, my favorite characters in my favorite show
0: have found each other, and, and they're a family. If anything, it, sh- it should be the message of, like, Go out and find your family, you know. Like if, if your family sucks, like I get it, I get. Mm-hmm. I really I get it. You go, you gotta find a new one, and you can, and you will. You know, put yourself out there and communicate with like minded people, and you'll you'll find your family. You will eventually. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, f- Fifteen is a found family. The yeah. four boys on the road, found family. They're your. They're not just your friends. They're your bro- brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Firefly is one of the thoughts uh, that came to my mind. Only two of those characters are related to each other, and yeah. two are married, but everybody else is just, they've picked them up along the way, whether they have, like, a storied history that goes back, or if they just met in the context of the first, second, or third episode. Like, those people are family even when they bicker with each other and, and yell at each other. Like, in they the have end, to they always care for each other.
0: It's, it's, um, it's like Voltron has only so many people aboard uh, the castle. Mm -hmm. that's it you guys welcome to space this is your family you know and and sometimes you don't necessarily like everybody right away Mm -hmm. um the other one that came to mind was digimon Because uh, the the kids in the Digimon universe get lost in the digital world for months. For months they are wandering around this foreign world doing their best to find food and a safe place to sleep at night. Months. And then they come back home and they were like, yeah, you were gone like 45 minutes. Holy shit. Like, (laughs) oh my God, I can't even imagine like they look like they're home and they didn't even miss dinner. And they, in their minds, remember so many months of like starvation and and struggle. Like th- those kids are never going to be anything but a family. And and in that regard, um, and I know we said this about Digimon when we were really super into it. And right now I'm getting like really emotional about Digimon again. But um, it's hard to even envision characters that are inside of these found families dating outside. Of that found family, yeah, because usually the found family is someone that understands a struggle you've been through that no one else would understand. Whether that's being locked in deep space together or trapped in a digital world, um, whatever it happens to be, no one is ever going to understand that experience of yours. So of course, one of the only people that could really truly connect to you and love and, and care with you is likely inside of that found family
1: yeah that's something that you and i always have a conversation about i think every time we end up in a new family it's like oh well this thing that these characters have gone through is so extreme how could you find something else
0: Um, one direction was a found family
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think that's true they don't seem so much like family anymore
0: but no they don't that's true
1: think that's fine no 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 i think that actually ties into what i was what i kind of wanted to bring that to which is that sometimes people um when they go through like a certain trauma like they want to cut that stuff out they don't want to be with those people anymore that's the weird thing about family though um both real family and your found family is that they don't really go away your blood family never goes away god never but Found family is hard to get rid of, too. And I'm somebody who's, like, ruined friendships of mine
0: from well, the but way, way past. I think that a found family is a friend that's hard to get rid of. I think that's the mm. definition of found family. Mm-hmm. It's a friend who doesn't let bad behavior get in the way of, of the love and the commitment they've made to you. Mm-hmm. That's what found family is. The good and the bad. You accept someone for the good and the bad.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And, and it just, again, it makes me think of Fireflies. I love uh, they Jane and Simon, and I know Jane and Mal is a really popular ship, and those are just characters that don't like each other. But they love each other deeply. At the core, in the end, when bad shit happens, it always comes back to, like, is everybody okay? I need you to be okay, I need you to be okay. Tomorrow I'm going to fight with you again and say some nasty shit to your face, but I need you to be okay in the end of that.
0: All right, what else is on the list? Um.
1: So I mentioned very briefly earlier, uh, fake dating. But I love fake dating. So I hate. I it. want to talk about fake dating for a hot second. Um, and what I also want to tie into this is undercover, which is great for your like buddy cop like series like I'm thinking like Starsky and Hutch and I'm thinking like um oh no I can't think of another example
0: (laughs) I've never I've never watched a single buddy cop genre anything so I again I don't
1: Okay, well, anything where people are in a position of um, justice, which I would say is maybe a more common way to look at it. Like, you could do that with Marvel characters really easily. Okay. Anybody in sort of, like, an Avengers-type group. Like, you're going, oh, well, they got to go infiltrate this thing. Um, the only way to be convincing or to, like, excite their mark is to, like, have a fake relationship, like an outward fake relationship
0: with each other. Right. Okay, so like a like a matte and foggy fic, where they have to like <laughs> pretend to be boyfriends to get to like get information from someone. Yeah,
1: okay, yeah, that's Let's that's that like works. what a fake
0: dating fic is.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's like an undercover fake dating.
0: Okay, what is so? What is fake dating? Well, fake
1: dating is if they need to pretend to date for something stupid, like a their families. <sighs> one of my favorites, um, is I is it okay? Okay, so two characters—they're um, already friends, maybe, or maybe they don't like each other. They're in each other's circle, or they're roommates, and one needs to go home for a sibling's wedding, and they're like, "I don't want to go alone. I've told my family that I have a partner, so they'd get off my back and stop recommending people to me." Um, will you
0: pre- pretend to be yeah, my? Yeah, will you okay.
1: pretend to be my boyfriend? I am a sucker for that. I love them in every fandom, in every ship. It warms yes. my heart. That's cute. I could
0: see why that's that's appealing.
1: (laughs) Well, it turns into like miscommunication and
0: feelings usually developing for the first time, um, which is a lot of fun. You know, that reminds me me of something that I I like um, that I've read a few times. Uh, I think usually I've read this in the South Park fandom, which is. Um, a rumor starts spreading that two people mm-hmm. are dating, and they're not dating. But eventually, oh, fucking Craig and Tweak, the the Craig fucking canon a... South Park storyline. Um, yes. I always forget about Craig and Tweak because I wasn't a Creek Shipper back in the day. But like now, I I would put like a statue to Craig and Tweak in my house just yeah. for like what they represent to Hail their Creek, Hail, Hail Creek, Creek. <laughs> uh, Hail Creek. But um, yeah, the the whole like everybody assumes they're dating, or a rumor starts spreading, and they're like really mad about it, but like they're so mad about it they have to like sit down with the other person and be like, What are we gonna do about the fact that everyone thinks we're gay? And then it's like, Surprise you're gay (laughs) Yeah, surprise feelings for each other. I'm i I'm big into that one. Yeah, that's a fantastic one.
1: And I so if you don't watch South Park or if you don't know anything about South Park, um, a really, really common shit between two side characters, Craig and Tweek, developed in like season three of the show. And in season like 20 or 21, um, finally, the show was like, I guess we need to acknowledge this. Um, so they wrote an episode where the girls in the school were drawing yaoi of the characters and they do end up falling in love and they're still together several seasons and like, A game later, they're just, like, cute little kids in love with each other and, like, hold hands and get in, like, real arguments, and they're very precious. In
0: both the show and the uh, video game, they um, collected art from fan artists and um show them both both on in the show and and in the video game like one of the missions in the video game is to collect 10 pieces of yaoi art and it's it's just like old (laughs) creek fan art from deviant art and it's so incredible to see the show writers put together their own creek fan art zine They I were like, it. we want one of our own, things. <laughs> I mean, Matt and Trey, I, I, we could do a whole fucking episode of this show on South Park. We should get Mary on this show. We should do yes. an episode of South Park with Mary. Yes, we should. One of our, our longest-term fandom friends is also in the South Park fandom with us and understands why we're screaming right now. <laughs> okay, what else do you have on the list? Um, so, uh,
1: and this could be the last thing. Um, hmm. No, I got two things I want to okay, talk about. Okay, go ahead. All right. Um, so here's something that sort of falls between trope and AU, depending on how it's handled. Um, it's not necessarily one of my favorite things, but I love that it's so popular, and I think it's very exciting. The BDSM fic. Now, this could be your, um, when the characters engage with each other, they're doing BDSM, or something where dom and sub relationships are the norm. Or the one that I always sort of get a kick out of is the sex club one where somebody is like a professional dom and someone seeks them out to be their, like, contracted sub, um, of which this dom has, like, many subs.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've ever read a BDSM fic. Um, actually, that's not true. I can specifically think of a, of a good BDSM knocked fic that I read. Dom and sub in real life is, is ABO fic, essentially. essentially I, know, I know it's different. Don't come after me. But... Um, that that's kind of the same vibe there. I think sex club is really exciting because I love the idea of like oh there's a whole different side of me, which again I'm thinking of another glad knocked fic which is where like knocked goes down to the like red light district and just lets random dudes fuck him. Um, but it's that idea that like you discover this like really um, erotic second personality that somebody has that you didn't know that they had.
1: Mhm. It's
0: about them finding it in
1: themselves and in each other. Um they usually don't know each other beforehand, or if they do, there's like a, like a sexy lace domino mask to like conceal the identity, um, which I think is super fun. And then usually one person does know that the other person is is someone that they're familiar with in their in their regular lives. And I think those are a ton of fun. I think they sort of fall again into that ABO thing where like you could go into any fandom and be like, I want. I don't know exactly how you'd classify it, but if you were like, I want a BDSM, like, sex club fic, you could find and read any one without too many details that would, for a fandom you don't know, that would make you say, I don't know what I'm reading. Like, you can just follow the BDSM sex club fic for that story, for that particular device, um, and have a good time no matter what fandom you go into. I think that's something truly remarkable about fan fiction.
0: Okay, what else do you have? What's the last one? So the last one is
1: um, totally self-indulgent. Um, it's the idea of, well, there's a couple different thoughts here. They are fandom AUs. So there's a couple ways you could look at this, right? So we have fandom AUs where you are borrowing the universe of another fandom. Um, say a Harry Potter fandom. Is, uh, Harry Potter AU is very popular. And put your OCs in. Or put other characters in. Oh, crossovers. Yeah, but it's not quite. It's it's okay. So it's technically a crossover. I think your characters m- meet each other. So if you have, um, what's an example that I want to use? So if you have the, God, I want to say Firefly again. B is making faces at me. <laughs> I do not appreciate it. <laughs> okay. You were talking about. Okay, so let's say Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So you get, your, you get your, your Scoobies, you get your group of Buffy characters, and you put them in a Harry Potter universe. Okay, and, that's
0: a crossover.
1: Yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Harry, the boy who lived. And they exist in the same space. Like, okay. that's a crossover. Okay. I don't have a lot of familiarity So what's a with fandom those. AU? Um, you don't call it that. I guess you'd sort of call it, like, a, a blank AU. So in this case, a Harry Potter AU. So you would have your your Scoobies go to Hogwarts, and there is no Harry Potter. Or Scoobies—that's what you call the the group in um, Buffy. Okay. It's Buffy and Scoobies and okay. Willow. Willow.
0: Yeah, you're Scoobies. So, okay. <laughs> so the Scoobies go to... I was like, I, I got lost, Lo. I thought we were talking about Buffy, but now we're talking about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got lost. Okay, you're Scoobies. Okay. This so, is Buffy and, okay. and um, Willow and, her, and their pals.
1: Yeah. Um, so you'd say that they go to Hogwarts and either Harry Potter isn't there or Harry
0: Potter's like a legend. Or it's pre-Harry Potter, okay. the character Harry Potter. Okay. So, th- so it's, it's a crossover <laughs> with some different parameters.
1: Yeah. It's, it's you borrow the universe for your characters. A lot of people okay. do this just generally with movies. You could have a Lion King AU huh. or like an Overboard AU or
0: like... I like the idea of turning characters into animals. Can we talk more about that? <laughs> yeah, you can. Do you want to talk about like animal use? I know. I don't...
1: Not really a I read. Yeah,
0: I, I, I've never really gone after it. I see it occasionally. More, more I see it in fan art. Like, yeah. you know, here's what the boys look like as dogs. Here's what the boys look like at horses. I haven't, like, read POV animal content in a decade. <laughs> you know, I just haven't.
1: Yeah, I think it's easier to um, explain your concept in art. Than it is through fan
0: fiction. How many times have the warrior cats taken a shit canonically? <laughs> a lot, I hear. Yeah, more than you'd think.
1: But I can't imagine it's detailed. I imagine it's just a fade to black scenario. Or is
0: it detailed? Is it detailed scat? Is there detailed scat in this <laughs> children's series? I think it's usually very vague in the writing. It's like... um. Firestar woke in the morning and made dirt beside the creek i hate it no it's great uh, all right it's you know what your
1: kink is not my kink and that's okay right that's a new acronym how other. do you spell it <laughs> oh shit you texted w- it to me <laughs> W K I N. you think the word M- K- your starts
0: with a w oh no <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Y K I N M K A T O K
0: D L D R is easier
1: Don't like don't read Mhm yeah I also just like Don't your... flame
0: no flame no flames Flames
1: nope. flames will be used for kindling to make marshmallows
0: Wow I haven't <laughs> heard that phrase in so long Yeah your eyes bugged out of your face That's what Oh my god <laughs> it's been a long time. All right. Um. Do you have any any last uh, parting thoughts on AU's or tropes? What do you What do you feel like? Um. The value of AUs and tropes is for fan fiction as a whole.
1: Well, I think they give authors the opportunity to use creativity in a way that is tailored very much to their specific interests, right? So if someone is really enjoying um, the Avengers and they're loving all the movies and they're like, I like writing. Like, I want to write about this, but I'm not really good with sci-fi and I don't know how to write a villain and I don't know how to do this. Like, AUs really give you the opportunity to take those characters and put them in a universe that is fun and um, empowering to write. And I think it can be a lot of fun to read. Like, if I'm going out and reading Avengers fanfiction, I might not want to read everything about canonical, like, tales. And I do like that stuff. Like, I love a canon story, especially for, like, sort of a dark universe. And also, especially for a universe where you don't need to write a use because the story is so lighthearted and forgiving. Um, but I do love the opportunity to go write or to go read, like, a really cheesy love story. Sometimes I'm just in the mood for a barista AU.
0: You know, now that we're at the end of the episode, I'm realizing that in the first season of Digimon, I don't think they were gone for only 45 minutes. I think they were gone for like a week, three weeks. Like I think their parents were upset, but I don't think they were gone for the like seven to nine months that the kids felt like they were in the the digital world. I just want to put that out there now before I drop this like passion for Digimon on the universe. I just want to, you know, put it out there that I think I'm, I think I'm wrong with the times there. And again, I can't rewatch Digimon because it's so depressing.
1: They were at summer camp. Their parents didn't know they were gone. Fuck. And then when they returned to Japan, they returned back at home in Odaiba. So it was the second, it was the the second season
0: that they were missing, that their parents were all upset because the kids were missing.
1: Uh, the second season's where they go to the digital world every day after
0: school. Oh, my God. It's like I haven't even seen the show.
1: I, I'm sure they go missing for a period of time. I think season three, they tell their parents they're going to leave for a little while. And one of the parents is the, like, cover.
0: Sometimes it feels like <laughs> like I'm dying when I know I knew everything about a particular fandom. Yeah. Everything, every detail. And then I move on from that fandom, be it a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years. And I go back. And I can't remember anything. <laughs> you know, it's like I put so much energy into learning it all.
1: You do you start think to I'd lose hang them on over to time. some of it.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: It, it, memory is memory, and eventually, certain things fade. You replace okay. your love for Harry Potter with your love for Final Fantasy fifteen. You retain some of the most important
0: details and ones that are the most significant to you. But and everything you'll else always else love wasn't... you'll always love the characters. But yeah. you know, one hyperfixation at a time. That's mm-hmm. that's the life of uh, a lot of shippers. Yeah, yeah, that's me. All right. Um, thanks for talking to me today. Yeah, thank you for
1: talking to me, and thank you so much to everyone who's listening. Um, thank you to the people on Twitter who gave us suggestions of some of their tropes. Uh, that's at geekboundval at Abilena V, at moogle Festival, and at Pony Farts. Um, so, uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us a whole bunch.
0: Um, if you tweet at the, sh- uh, if you tweet about the show or you tweet at us, uh, we'll always thank you in the next episode. If you want us to plug your art or your fic... Uh, or your cosplay, or just one of your online accounts, we'll be happy to do that. Uh, Use the hashtag QueerFandomPodcast. We would love to talk to you guys. Please feel free to hit us
1: up on Twitter and Instagram at QueerFandom. And you can email us at QueerFandomPod
0: at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until next time.